Hello, this is Frank Falvey with Frank Presents. And today in our continuing uh, coverage of the elections in the town of Franklin, that will be happening on Tuesday, November 2nd, uh, Tom Mercer is with us uh, running for re-election to the town council. Tom, we go back a long ways, but this interview here over Zoom is a first for Franklin Cable, and you're the first person that we're trying to do an interview over Zoom. Well, I'm honored that I'm the first one, Frank. Well, we're, we're honored as citizens of Franklin of your years and long years of service, not only to the buildings in Franklin, uh, the school committee, the town council, but I go way back and remember when I was doing some filming for the Access Channel and there was the Franklin Junior Miss. And I believe you were like the stage manager of, of that. And you were a stage manager for, for a lot of Franklin School of Performing Arts. That's, that's correct. You know, you can, pick your, you can pick your friends, but you can't generally pick your family. So the Franklin School for the Performing Arts, being my sister, it's kind of hard to say no. So you get caught up in that. But Franklin Junior Miss, yeah, that goes way back into the uh, late 70s and through the 80s. I not only worked some of the uh, uh, shows, but I was the Franklin uh, chairman uh, of Franklin's Junior Miss, and then I went on to be the Massachusetts state chairman, and I did that for about 15 years. Uh, wow. uh, was involved with the Junior Miss program, and, and it's a great program. It continues to be a great program. The names changed a few times, but uh, uh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize it still continues. Uh, what yes, is it called it does. now? It's called, uh, I believe it's called uh, Young Woman of the Year now. Uh, but uh, a young lady by the name of Amy Azza, uh, who actually uh, is Dr. Pastorello's, uh, if you go way back there, wow. his granddaughter is uh, running the uh, Franklin program now. Wow. So we still have contestants from Franklin, that enter it. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And where is yeah. it held now? Do you have any idea? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure where she's doing the actual show now. Uh, it's... Uh, it's not as it's not as big a program as it once was uh, back in the 80s and 90s when we'd have 30 contestants, 35 contestants from Franklin. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little smaller scale. So I think they use a little smaller performance venue yeah. to to do the program. So, uh, but it's a great program. Uh, uh, and I really enjoyed my years working on it. Tom, uh, you don't necessarily have a construction background, but you've been the chairman of building everything in Franklin, bringing it way under budget, uh, building beautiful facilities. How, how did that ever come about? Well, uh, if I go way back in my very early years, when I got out of, uh, when I finished up at Dean, I. Uh, went to work for a company selling windows and doors to uh, building contractors. 
So I had a little bit of a construction background through that. Uh, then uh, my father, uh, uh, after he retired, he was uh, an optometrist in town. And after he retired, he built a few houses. And I was fortunate enough to uh, work with him in those uh, last years. And uh, we built uh, a few houses together. So I always enjoyed the construction industry. Uh, you know, and back in the, uh, as you remember, back in the, I think it was 90 or 91, 89, I can't remember that far back, uh, but I ran for school committee and uh, I did 10 years on the school committee, seven of which uh, I chaired. Then uh, from there, uh, it was someone else's turn, so I, I decided not to run and I wasn't off the school committee more than six months and I got a call from the chair of the town council at the time who asked me if I'd be interested in serving on the Horace Mann School uh, Building Committee. And I said I would be more than happy to and uh, I was elected chairman of that building project. And I will have to say that that was probably the uh, uh, one of the most difficult projects I ever worked on. And it, part of it was because uh, a municipality, when you're when you're building a, a, a building that's funded from, you know, Mass School Building Authority, uh, obviously you are subject to public bidding laws. Uh, so you don't always have the choice as to the contractor that ends up building the project. And we ended up having uh, half of a very poor contractor. Uh, uh, it was a partnership of two individuals and um, about halfway through the project. Uh, it should have been a two-year project, ended up being a four-year project because uh, one of the contractors walked out halfway through the project. So, uh, but I will say that the other half partner uh, stepped to the plate, promised me that he would finish the project and uh, we did work our way through and with all the penalties that uh, because of the contract we had written with them and uh, give Mark Sorrell, a lot of, uh, who's our town attorney, a lot of credit because there were penalty clauses put into this uh, contract and there were uh, over a million dollars worth of penalties. Uh, and we collected on those and ended up turning back to the town. Uh, well, it was probably half to three quarters of a million dollars under budget, yeah. but it was late coming in. And, uh, uh, you know, and we kind of built on that too. Uh, I will say part of the delay was uh, about a third of the way into the project, they decided to add the ECDC part of that building, which is the Early Childhood Development Center, uh, which was actually named for Franco Reagan, uh, who was a longtime uh, assistant superintendent in town. 
Uh, anyway, so that got added in. So that delayed that project a little bit, but we did come in under budget uh, and it's a great facility. Uh, you know, uh, Franklin is so fortunate. Uh, we were in the right place at the right time. I mean, you look around the state and uh, I think you'd have a hard time uh, telling me that there's a community out there that has three new elementary middle school complexes, a brand new high school, a new senior center, a new fire station, a new DPW barn, all in the last 25 years. Uh, that's uh, pretty impressive. And it's uh, a lot of it's being in the right place at the right time. Uh, after I finished the Horace Mann project, it uh, wasn't that long after that the Senior Center uh, uh, project came up and I was asked if I would serve on that. I did, again, got elected the chair of it and uh, finally was working on something I could use, Frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> so uh, the Senior Center was a great project. We had a nice, uh, very good architect and a good contractor. Uh, and we uh, did and, a and you, you now can go for breakfast or lunch there, you know. Absolutely, you can... it's a it's, it's a wonderful facility. Obviously, some of the things have been curtailed over the last eighteen months because of COVID, like everything else. Uh, but the uh, uh, the use of the senior center is just uh, very gratifying for me to see that the community put. Uh, put a lot of money, stepped, uh, stepped forward, put some money into the senior center for our seniors. And to see the use the facility gets is just very gratifying. And uh, I'm really happy that I had an opportunity to be part of it. One of the interesting things, Tom, is that Franklin, percentage-wise and even numerical-wise, has one of the largest populations of people under the age of 18. And it seems that Franklin is a family town, uh, kind of always ha has been. And we really, really seem educational wise, not only from facilities, but recreational opportunities really serve uh, that younger population. Absolutely, and that's why the uh, Franklin High School project, which was the most recent one uh, that I was fortunate enough to work on, again, I uh, was asked to serve on that committee and again was elected chairman of that committee. Uh, that was a $102 million uh, project and uh, the town's portion of that was, I believe, and don't hold me to the exact number, but in the $48 million number. Uh, we were part of what is uh, now uh, a closed program, which was the model school program. And uh, we fought very hard to be a part of that program where the uh, State uh, Mass School Building Authority, the MSBA, uh, identified five high schools across the state uh, that they labeled as model schools. And 
when you went in to apply for the building of a new school, you, if you were accepted into the model school program, then you had the opportunity to choose one of those five designs. Mm -hmm. Those the designs were picked because they were easily expanded on or contracted so that based upon the municipality's uh, enrollment and size, you could increase it for 1,800 students, 1,200 students, 1,500 students, whatever the number was. So uh, the beauty of the program was that uh, you could, the uh, building itself, the architect had designed it four or five times. So he's, over those four or five times, they've been able to identify the issues they had on the first option so that uh, when you build a new building, you're generally, you carry somewhere between 10 to 15% contingency plan for design issues, as well as uh, 10 to 15% for construction yeah, uh, but, contingency. But that had already been worked out because the school had already been built, not only actually, but they had already exactly. built that school. Exactly. So uh, we carried a, a design contingency of 4% and we carried a construction contingency of 4% and turned most of both of them back yeah. because it had been built so many times. And in our case, the model that we chose had been built eight times. And therein lies why the model school program, the MSBA's model school program, no longer exists as it was because what happened, uh, the same school was getting chosen all the time. So the same architect was getting all the work. The same contractor was getting all the work. So all of the other contractors in the state, all of the other uh, architects across the state are saying, hey, wait a minute, I'm not getting any of this work. Yeah. So the state put a hold on it. Very unfortunate because it saved the communities and the residents millions of dollars. Very unfortunate. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it was a it was a great program. I'd love to see them bring it back somehow. Yeah. They should be able to tweak it some way so that they could bring it back because it was a great program. They did it not only for high schools but for elementary and middle schools. Yeah. Uh, but we had uh, what I would say is uh, one of the best teams that was ever assembled to build Franklin, the new Franklin High School. We had a great architect. We had a great contractor. We had a great project manager. We had a great building committee and they all kind of just melded together. And of all of the projects, it's three times as big as any of the other projects that I had worked on, but it was the easiest of them all. Uh, just because yeah. you had a great group of people to work with. So, Tom, and 
to see the community pass that when it was mm-hmm. time to uh, put the debt exclusion out. Yeah. Uh, overwhelmingly, you know, almost 70% yeah. uh, uh, approval. So it's Tom, a great thing and it's a great piece for our town. Tom, going to the town council, one of the, yeah. I- one of the issues now is a, uh, a fee uh, for impervious surfaces that is, is uh, trying to comply with the uh, uh, federal, uh, federal what, Department of Environmental Protection. And, yeah. and one, uh, one of my concerns, Tom, is uh, not so much uh, is taking it out of the tax category and putting it into a fee category. So one, you, you can't deduct it on your taxes. And the second thing though is, you, you now would be charging Dean College, St. Mary's Church, you'd be charging uh, uh, nonprofits uh, a, a fee. And, and, and it always seems to me that there has been intentional treatment of churches and religious organizations and colleges not to hit them with heavy expenses. And so it would only make sense to me if they were excluded from the fee because that seems now if we charge a fee to them, just opening the door to charge fees to uh, religious and charitable organizations and colleges and just adding costs where we really want uh, you know, for them to be able to operate at, at lower, less expense. What, what is your feeling on that subject? Well, storm, this, and I, I'm guessing you're speaking of the stormwater yes, uh, issue. It's been kind of a hot topic uh, on the council's agendas over the last year or so, uh, and will continue to be in the future. Again, this is coming from unfunded mandates uh, from, the, uh, from federal, the, the, not just state, but uh, they're unfunded mandates. And over, because we fall into the Charles River Basin, and I think uh, you've already done an interview with Melanie Hamblin, who is uh, a counselor, and she, uh, she chaired the uh, subcommittee that was formed to review the stormwater uh, plan and where we go with it. Because of us falling into the Charles River, even though we're in a very small portion compared to everybody else, uh, we have these uh, this uh, these fees that we are being charged. Now uh, we have taken them under uh, in the last year or two, uh, as they've grown, they've been funded from the DPW budget. The money has to come from somewhere. Uh, we can't not pay. Uh, so these are the things that we have struggled with. And we did put into place a utility that would allow us to do that. We have not put a fee in place yet. Uh, and the good news is, and I, 
and I hope as we move forward into our next calendar calendar year, I hope some of the recent federal money that we've received will be used to complete work that will offset a portion of the cost to implement the stormwater EPA permit that we're dealing with. Have, and do we know how that, much? Do we know how much federal money? have we received because of coronavirus? Uh, Yeah, those are all just coming into play uh, now, but it it will be, uh, it's a substantial amount of money. It's probably, and I don't know the exact amount off the top of my head, but I'm hearing eight to nine million dollars. Yeah, eight to 10, somewhere in that. Yeah, I I believe that that's where the number is gonna play. And it has to be spent by a certain date. Right. So we would be able, I'm hoping that the, the as we go into the next uh, council year, I'm hoping that the rest of the council would feel similar to the way I feel. And let's fund the additional monies we need over the next couple of years from some of that federal money. Uh, while we continue to argue the case that why are we even, why are we in this? Uh, I don't think we're going to get very far with the feds on that, but it's something that we uh, have done up to now. Uh, our uh, DPW director, Brutus Gennaregi, has been to Washington three or four times to argue our case because of these kinds of uh, fees that are charges to the municipality. The problem that we have is, as I look at it, is as we move forward, we have to pay these fees. So if we don't charge a fee for it, it's got to come from somewhere. But does it come from schools? Does it cut? Do you take it from the schools? Do you take it from uh, the library? Do you take it from police? Do you take it from fire? But, but Tom, those are the decisions. Tom, my point is not the fee. My point, yeah. my point is the fee being charged to religious, nonprofit, <laughs> educational, uh, organizations. My, my point is that they should be exempt from the fee. Well, that, you know, and that's something that can be discussed. And I, I am sure as we move forward, because as, as I stated, the utility we needed to put in place to show good faith that we were proceeding with the permitting that the EPA is requiring. So that's why the council voted to put the utility in place. Now, the utility being the way in which we would charge fees if, in fact, we go that route. And when we do it, it's in place. So do I think there will be further discussions as to how, how much, and who as we move forward. Uh, But that will be a council discussion. uh, And uh, I think it will be a council discussion through the next budget cycle. And you bring up very good points. Uh, What about churches? I kind of see the Franklin being in a pretty 
uh, strong economic position. I've always uh, go back to Gorelick, uh, who used to be a chair of the Finance Committee, who died on the golf course. <laughs> uh, um, do you see Franklin still as a strong, uh, economically stable uh, uh, community? Uh, I do, Frank. I think uh, Franklin is in, uh, we're in really pretty good shape right now. Uh, we've done a very good job uh, when we, with our economic development subcommittee uh, that reviews all of these things, helps, brings different uh, projects and different uh, ideas to the uh, to the council. I think we're in very strong shape economically, uh, you know, and you just look at our, you know, look at our tax rate, look, look at the services that we get. Uh, obviously we can be, do, we can do better uh, and we continue to strive to do better. Um, you know, uh, we're down uh, in our public safety, uh, uh, but we've continued to be provide great public safety from our police department, from our fire department. Uh, look at the services provided by the senior center. Look at our library. Look at, you know, trash. And I know there are fees along with trash. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, and we just increased that fee, a very small amount. Uh, but it is an increase, and I understand that. Uh, but these are services that a lot of other communities don't have. We have a college in our community. Uh, not every, uh, once you get outside the cities, uh, not every community has that. And they bring pros and cons to the community, uh, some good, some you know, not so good, but for the most part, uh, it, it, it's all good things. And our uh, town is, I feel, economically stable. And I think we need to uh, continue to work hard with uh, through our economic development committee coming up with these different ideas, how, how to attract industry. Uh, if you look at a council meeting, and uh, you look actually right behind me up on the wall, uh, the Franklin uh, uh, logo is up there and industry need not wish is well, the logo that's on. Well, Tom, uh, I'm grateful that you came on the program. How can people reach you if they want to learn more about your campaign? Well, they, uh, I do uh, have my personal Facebook page. I'm not, I'm not big on, uh, on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and all, all of these different things. But certainly I'm available by email. I'm available, my telephone number. I'll be more than happy to share my cell phone, uh, which is, uh, and I'll go slow, 401 529 0193 and anybody is welcome to call me anytime i'll be more than happy to meet and speak with anyone uh uh and my email is t my personal email is td mercer at verizon.net and uh if you could repeat that link if you could repeat the email sure t 
is in Tom, D is in David, Mercer, M-E-R-C-E-R, at verizon.net. Tom, thank you very much. Yeah, I think I've proved over the years, Frank, that uh, I'm very approachable. Uh, You are. (laughs) You are. I I didn't listen to uh, anyone, uh, and I believe everybody has the right to be heard. And if there's one thing a counselor should be, is a good listener. Well, Tom Mercer and I hope to see you at the polls on November 2nd. Uh, it's a Tuesday between 6 and 8 o'clock at night. And if you don't go to the polls, we certainly hope you vote by uh, uh, mail or go to the town clerk's office because this town election is going to affect your pocketbook and your community more than voting for the President of the United States. So there's more incentive for you really to learn out, learn who's running, why, and what they're advocating. As a resident of the community, it's the most important vote they'll make is their local elections. It is. Thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. This program was made possible by your Franklin friends and neighbors. Good folks, just like you. Thanks for supporting Franklin TV. And thanks for watching.